0: Welcome back to our programming, and thank you for tuning in from one of our listener hubs. This is the Caneo 101 Media Network, online radio and podcast, Life in the Rabbit Hole, about Caneo Valley Living. And I am your host, Lori Crease. I'm a small business owner, entrepreneur, parent, and your neighbor living in the Coneo Valley. And I like to lift up and spotlight other members of our community, especially fellow small businesses and like to take the opportunity to get to know them better and also share their stories with you. Today, I have with me Matthew Munette, founder and wealth advisor of Aram Wealth Strategies and Insurance Solutions. So welcome, Matthew.
1: Thank you for having me, Lori
0: well thanks so much for being here i appreciate it so you know this is storytelling opportunities for small business owners you know let's get to know you and your business and how did you um get into you know wealth advisoryship? let's call it
1: (laughs) yeah so the wealth management career actually took a turn for the starting point probably back when i was around 20 turning 21 in college I was a wealth management intern at a financial institution out here in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, Long story short, fell in love with it, knew that it was something I wanted to do, and the ship has sailed (laughs) up until this point and developed my career to a degree where I thoroughly enjoy the work that I'm providing to people, whether it's from a basic or comprehensive stance. But I guess that was a long-winded answer to a very simplistic question, so I'll leave it at that.
0: No, not at all. So, I mean, is it passion? Is it, you know, you've always had a financial passion to really crunch those numbers and also help people because you are sharing your knowledge to help support others.
1: Yeah, I've always been a quantitative analytic to keep it straight and narrow. I was an economics major and math minor, so number crunching was kind of in my blood. But at the same time, trying to solve puzzles, putting together pieces to help individuals uh, have a value add within each and every discussion that I provide to them from a qualitative and quantitative standpoint, because I think within the wealth management space, people kind of forget that it's not all about number crunching. Oftentimes it's about dealing with an individual's life circumstances, what it is that they want to achieve within their long-term qualitative aspects of their lives, and then catering a plan to that exact uh, forecast for their life as well.
0: All right. So tell me about the journey as an entrepreneur, because you've uh, been big corporate and then kind of going through a spin-off to your own gig, right?
1: Yeah. So I think the biggest rationale for starting my own financial advisory was really centered around the client experience that I felt was diminished and lacking within the corporate and larger broker dealer space so having a more customized and tailored approach to an individual family or business owner's financial planning strategy was really what i wanted to place at the forefront i think what you're ultimately deciding at the end of the day though when you're working with a wealth advisor is the wealth advisor themselves not necessarily the institution they represent or whether or not they own their own financial advisory i think that's just you know a little bit of a cherry on on the cake there but For the most part, the the holistic approach to my advisory was just centered around the the gap that I felt the client experience was lacking, how to update, monitor, review, and approach everyone's strategy differently, and then provide not only the operational and IT infrastructure to make it easier to track their investments or their planning initiatives, but also a differentiated review standpoint, as opposed to meeting, you know, a client on an annual basis when a lot of things can change. I typically like to meet within the first couple of years with each and every client, everyone's the same uh, on a quarterly basis and having myself readily accessible uh, in, in all moments of time. So that's really uh, what sparked the the rationale for me to open up my own practice along with the, uh, the back end incentives where I'm allowed to contract with other institutions that, you know, my existing affiliated broker dealer or registered investment advisory may not specialize in. So it, it gives me tentacles in different ranges uh, from the infrastructure side that I didn't have before as well.
0: Wonderful. So sometimes when I hear the term financial planning or financial advisor, I all, all of a sudden feel extremely incompetent with my money. <laughs> and I also kind of go to like more of the end of my life financial planning to really settle in and retire. And I think it's so much bigger than that. Tell tell me about some of the steps along the way that yes, perhaps the big goal at the end is to be secure in your retirement years, but those retirement years over you know the past decade or so, I mean, boy, my grandfather when in that generation it was you retire at 55 and then it became a little bit more like, uh, what 65. And I believe the last time I kind of looked that up, I think the average age of retirement was more like 72, 73, 74. So how, how do we kind of, what are the steps, not the steps along the way that that's when you build your relationship with your client, but besides retirement, you know, I'm a parent. Um, working with you, does this also help me get a jump start on college planning and, and needs for them as well as for myself?
1: Sure. So a lot to unravel there. And so I'm going to try to compartmentalize my response. The first is, I think the reason why people have the first notion of retirement planning when they think of financial advisor is because there's a big discrepancy in how the American population plans for their retirement. So not having the knowledge around how much money or skin in the game they should be putting into their investments, but also what types of investments to own is a huge aspect to that. And so financial advisors always find themselves in a little bit of a pickle because, of course, they want to talk about short-term investment strategies. Of course, they want to talk about you know, how long it's going to take for a real estate purchase to take place if they were to invest X amount of dollars with a forecasted investment return of such and such, right? Right. Retirement planning is interesting because there's only one shot to do it and most people are behind. So that's why we tout it uh, more often than not than other strategies. Along with college funding, there's only really one shot that we can get at planning for those particular spaces. And if we don't, it can set us back pretty far if expenditures and costs are not mitigated, right? So we're paying out of pocket, you know, for four years. And if your your kid's going to be going to school for a longer period of time maybe even more money depending upon what type of parent you want to be you want to fund it or do you want them to fund it and take out loans so i think that's why we tout that more than not but if we want to look at really comprehensive strategies i think what wealth advisors are misnotioned for is our abilities to set expectations very well if the wealth advisor is worth their salt so the ability to provide forecasts uh, underneath capital market assumptions, which is where we think as a wealth management industry, markets may go from US markets to international to emerging markets, and then providing those expectations, right, uh, for the investors so they know exactly where they stand within their, their planning initiatives. And then once more, the comprehensive side can look at, you know, estate planning advice. We often can't draft the documents, but we can provide analytics around what potential estate planning documents they need. We can provide equity lines of credit based on the investment management that we have with them. uh, And we're managing their money. We can provide equity lines of credit from a bank that will take a look at the portfolio and say, okay, we'll give you a low interest rate loan backed by the collateral of the account that I'm managing for them. So you can borrow against ultimately what your portfolio is providing, uh, which people don't realize You know, wealth advisors can do. We can provide UMA programs, SMA programs, set up charitable funds uh, to have money invested and to get deductions. We could set up employee benefits for the company, get deductions for the business, provide entity. Cre- we can't create the entity for the business, but we can say, here's why this certain entity may make sense. Let, Let me point you to a business attorney that will allow you to set that up, right? So we quarterback a lot of the general discussion centered around an individual's financial life. And in most cases, when it comes down to actually growing their wealth, we're the only ones that can do that. We can't give tax advice. We can't give legal advice down to the T but we can quarterback to what we call you know a Mario type of scenario where we have our tentacles in different uh parts of everybody's financial planning life and then point them in the right directions for that
0: so we've been living through a two plus year pandemic have you seen a pretty big climb or uptick in the estate planning category
1: yes and in general demand uh has been pretty drastic in a positive note, you know, there's been an ever growing demand now for markets with turbulence to want someone to navigate them through the infrastructures, the forecasts, why things are happening, and then give a rationale behind that, right? So yeah, I'll I'll keep it as simple as that, but estate planning for sure has been up there. I think financial institutions for the last couple of years I've really come out with strong profits, revenues across the board. Um, so even the numbers speak for themselves.
0: I see you've included insurance solutions in, in your services. Tell me a little bit about that. What types of insurance?
1: Yeah. So within financial planning, I typically like to say there's the holy trinity of insurance solutions enveloped in the retail side of finance. So this is looking at disability insurance, long-term care insurance, life insurance the reason for this is because one of the major risks associated with financial planning is the medical risks as we get older our body's going to deteriorate we don't get healthier and then statistically we want to mitigate uh, potential health concerns that can completely ruin uh financial planning initiatives so you know a death in the family is something that we want to be sure we take care of with a will trust and a life insurance policy for cash payout and also uh, if you carry a bunch of debt like a mortgage, um, we also look at disability insurance because statistically 33% of Americans will have a disability at some point in their life that'll last longer than a year. Okay, so we don't want to be out of work and not earning an income due to a disability. So that helps, you know, some replacement of income when we have a disability policy underneath our belt. And then long-term care is going to be a 66% statistic. Anyone over the age of 65 uh, will have a long-term care claim at some point in their life, which usually runs in the state of California around a $97,000, give or take, uh, depending upon what potential nursing home or in-home care you ask for. But $97,000 per year for someone who may not have saved enough for retirement can completely wipe out any estate that they would potentially like to leave behind uh, for their families. And Medicare and Medicaid uh, don't necessarily step in unless you meet certain requirements. So we want to be sure that we're touching all corners. I don't like to talk about insurance as much as the next person, but I would be doing a disservice if I wasn't blatantly even in the title of the business, not providing the full scope of what we do. And that is, you know, wealth management from all types of perspectives.
0: Very good. Yeah. You don't want to leave conversations off the table. If you do have that area of expertise that you can help provide them, why not be like a full service, right? Um, Business. So as an entrepreneur, what is the growth plan internally besides your customer base? Do you plan to, uh, Go solo or build a team.
1: So I do have staff underneath my belt. Um, the I think the route that I like to take the firm is never well fundamentally never to settle for a specific amount of knowledge. I always want to be sure I'm keeping up with the economic framework that is changing beneath our feet. I want to be acquiring different designations that will allow me to expand the knowledge from you know a book standpoint just reading line for line um and then i've always had the mindset of if i am able to do a specific amount of work myself and not spread myself too thin i will not necessarily hire another staff member to do something that i can easily do myself i think that Is a miss. There's a that's a very big error that a lot of wealth advisors do. It's pretty big mismanagement. Um, There's going to be a point, obviously, and that's why I have staff now because at one point in time I was able to look at myself in the mirror and say, due to the fact that I'm so backed up with paperwork and I'm not able to run my business efficiently, I need an individual to come on board. At this point in time, that's no longer the case. I'm able to, with my staff, you know, manage all of my meetings do my paperwork, do the investment strategies, do all the casework with, you know, some staff members. But for the most part, I'm good with where I'm at. And up until a point where, like I said, I'm spreading myself thin is when I will onboard someone new.
0: Yeah, definitely as an entrepreneur, it's like, you know, I've been a solo entrepreneur for 14 years and there's definitely tasks I don't like doing. I've never (laughs) built up a staff, but, you know, stick stick with what, your expertise and delegate in other areas of which you know frees up your time to definitely work and service with your clients um, do you now in listening to you talk I it for me, I get a little overwhelmed I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't thought about this I haven't had a, a thought about that. I'm sure you like to remove that state of overwhelm and really mm-hmm. streamline the process what would that look like in working with a new client
1: so Everyone's going to be different. And in order for me to really provide the best value, in the moment, I need to figure out what type of case planning is needed and how to best translate that to said client. If there's a lot of different moving parts, I'm relatively and blatantly transparent with typically how many meetings we're looking at. So if we're looking at college funding, retirement planning on top of insurance solutions, uh, maybe we we even have a business owner in the mix, then it's going to be most likely at least a three, three meeting process because there's only so much that a dog can drink from the fire hydrant. And if I can mitigate that as much as possible by trickling in you know, compartmentalized solutions so you can digest it. You can take five to six days, you know, to dwell on the numbers and the analytics up until our next meeting. I would rather have it that way than to just provide all of the strategies, all the initiatives and solutions in one two and a half hour meeting. It just doesn't make any sense because the hardest part of my job is for any client to do any initiative and i think from what i've learned in the past the best way to you know provide that solution and to bridge that gap is to first assess okay who am i dealing with is this going to be a simplistic approach uh a simplistic case or is this going to be relatively comprehensive wherever we are in the middle of that is how i'll decide okay how am i going to be translating the strategy over to them
0: All right. Very good. That, that is a nice streamlined process is also be open to time and really working with you. And that, that time is going to get the end result, you know, that they're looking for. Um, Before we wrap this up, what else would you like our listeners to know about you and your new business?
1: Good question. So I think for your listeners, if anything, I hope I'm providing comfort that there's a resource to them. They may not be ready to have this discussion. I think within the American culture, uh, financial discussions can be relatively taboo, but what they do need to know is there are many wealth advisors who know what they are doing out there. And unless they're willing to take that first step in having the, the discussion, whether it's with me or whether it's with you know a friend who knows a wealth advisor that they've been meaning to talk to, please, if there's anything that you can do is take that first step. I always say it's similar to going to the gym. Most people, they don't like to do it. And what prevents them is they don't necessarily know where to start. They always want to have, you know, a breakdown of a diet and, you know, a workout routine before they even take the first step into the gym. And I always just say, well, maybe you just start with getting a membership first. And it's the same thing with finances, figure out Who's that expert you need to start this discussion with, and that's the hardest part for them to do. So please go ahead and do that. Is what well. I'm advising them.
0: And while I said new business, that's your new personal endeavor endeavor with um, you know starting your own business. I I do know you have several years industry experience. You mm-hmm. do you care to share that?
1: Sure. Yeah. So uh, I've always worked with mutual institutions, uh, growing growing up in the wealth management space. So I worked at Northwestern Mutual first, and then I work with New York Life, who is still my broker-dealer. No individual's allowed to set up a DBA uh, or financial advisory unless they're directly affiliated uh, with a broker-dealer still. So they are my direct broker-dealer, don't necessarily work for them, but I always have to have a broker-dealer as my umbrella who does all the processing and transactions. And then my registered investment advisory is eagle strategies llc i have sharing agreements with other institutions u.s bank does the equity lines of credit if i need assistance in that space for a client and then depending upon what other cases we're looking at um, institutionally morgan stanley does a lot of the alternative investing and i have a sharing agreement with them and a particular advisor who helps out in that space but Across the board, my tentacles dive into estate planning. So I have a couple different attorney firms uh, down here in LA that I'm, you know, partnered with to assist on the drafting for wills and trusts, the drafting for business agreements, uh, tax firms located in Boston and down here in San Diego. So that's the <laughs> that's the institutional infrastructure, I would say, um, or my tenureship. So did that, did that answer your question, though, Lori?
0: Yeah. And what's your website?
1: OrumWealthstrategies.com.
0: That's wonderful. Well, I want to welcome you to the Entrepreneur Club. Thank <laughs> it's you quite asking. a journey, lots of highs, lots of lows, but you know what? It gives you a lot of reward, a lot of freedom. And if you're a creative person, you're going to get a lot out of it. So I thank you very much for being here today with me. So, thank you for joining me and for giving me your time. And to our listeners, please follow our broadcast hubs by visiting canale101.com. And thank you for listening in. This is Lori Carey signing out.